My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to provide insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 100 of the Biohacker Babes. It's 100. We are so excited to be here. This is Lauren. I'm in New York and Renee is tuning in from Las Vegas. Hello, everyone. Happy 100. And thank you so much for being a part of this journey with us. We couldn't have done this without you all. And we are just so excited for the topic of the day. Yeah. So episode 100, our topic is how to live to be 100. Because that's perfect, right? <laughs> yes. Or longer, if that's what you would like. <laughs> or longer. So this is not just about living as long as you possibly can. We're really just talking about living a higher quality life and a more healthful life. So we're going to get into that. But anti-aging, what the heck is anti-aging and why should we care about it? I know I care about anti-aging because I don't want to be in pain. I want to be able to move easily functionally. I want to feel good. I want to have energy when I wake up. I want to have less stress in my body. And so I'm very motivated, especially when it comes to exercise to do things that are going to promote that longevity. That's why I'm a huge mobility person. I enjoy a hit workout and I enjoy breaking down muscle tissue. That is super important and very valuable. But at the top of my priority list is mobility because I want to be able to get up off the floor when I'm 90, 100. I don't want to be in a wheelchair. I don't want to be in pain. And I would say that is just my overall motivating factor is to live without pain. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. And I think everyone needs to find their motivation. Like what does 100 look like to you? I think that I think you have a great point with the pain. Yeah, I want to be able to crawl on the floor and get up with maybe not, not even using my hands to stand up, something like that. But also for me is the brain function. I want my brain to be working optimally until my final day. Yeah. So anything I can do to protect my brain. And part of that is, you know, with Alzheimer's running in the family, um, we lost our grandfather to Alzheimer's and watching that, um, has motivated me. I, I, I really want to do everything I can to prevent that from happening. So I think, mm -hmm. At the end of the day, anti-aging can be whatever you want it to be. And you just need to find your goal and what motivates you to live a long, healthy life. Yeah, I think that's true with any goals in life. It's It has to be in alignment with your true core self and what you want out of life. So we'll just leave that there as a little <laughs> exercise for you to figure out what that means to you. We're talking about aging. And so what is aging? Aging is associated with a generalized decline in all physiological functions, right? Like we're all going to die one day, but there's something that happens between the ages of 30 and 70, where we see a 25 to 30% reduction on most functional capacity. So up until the age of 30, everything is on this upward trajectory. We're building, uh, we feel amazing. And then from 30 on, we kind of start to see this decline. And aging is really a complex multifactorial process of not only molecular, but cellular decline, which affects our tissue function. So that renders all of our organisms frail. I hate that word. I never want to be frail and also yeah. susceptible to disease and death. 
I don't want to be frail. I don't want to be susceptible to any of those things. So the anti-aging is not trying to go against nature and death. It's just promoting a higher quality of the time that we are living in these bodies on this earth. Exactly. Yeah. And that's really where the difference between health span and lifespan comes in. So lifespan is just, you know, on the calendar, how many years did you live? (laughs) Health span is how many of those years were you actually healthy and free of disease? So that's really the goal, right? To increase our health span. I don't really care about being on this planet just to be here. If I'm not living a (laughs) quality, healthy life where I'm with family and friends, I'm giving back to society, right? All of that is part of health span. I love that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so, so important. And I mean, the average lifespan of humans has actually increased a lot <laughs> over time. Um, but most of that's really just from the increase in better, you know, public health, healthcare, even something as simple as washing our hands, right? If we're <laughs> historically, all of these things have helped with lifespan. Um, but there wasn't a way to measure health span until recently. So the World Health Organization developed a way to measure this. So basically they're taking the average age of the first occurrence of most common serious diseases, you know, heart disease, cancer, et cetera, and then determining your incidences on the other end, and then you're actually averaging those two numbers. So they have actually found that on average, we live up to 20% of our lives unhealthy. So if you just do some simple math, say you live to hundred, that means the last 20 years are not healthy. That's a long time to not be healthy. I think that one is day is time. too long. <laughs> one day is too feel- long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting that we can somewhat measure that now. And we're going to talk about some other testing options that can maybe determine what your biological age um, is. But, you know, we age or we eventually die because we run out of the functional capacity of each of these organs and systems. And that accelerates the deleterious effects of aging. But it's not all yeah. bad news right? (laughs) It's not all bad news. We're supposed to age. This is a natural process. And listen, we're not trying to go against this by any means. Um, And I think that's what biohacking is. We're just trying to find our optimal expression to make life more fun, more enjoyable, less painful, less stressful. So how do we affect health span? Your health span changes because of gene expression. If you've heard about genetics versus epigenetics, your genes don't change, but their expression does. And that can be altered by a whole host of factors is everything we talk about on this show, everything that you are capable of modifying, such as diet and nutrition, lifestyle, the environment that you live in, that you experience day to day. And once you have this awareness and we can start measuring it, we can quantify it, we can monitor it with some accountability and then focus on how we can improve it to make the expression of our genes more healthful. And that's going to create a greater health span. And hopefully you have a sub 20% unhealthiness at the end of your life. That would be the goal. We don't always feel aging. You could feel it, you know, as you age and getting out of bed in the morning, we'll start to be a little more creaky, you know, things are cracking more on these days. You feel that, but there's a lot of these internal factors that dictate aging or I guess quantify aging that you're not necessarily going to feel. So that's why we love to come back to testing options. So many different tests here. And I don't think there's one test on the market that is going to give you your best sign of aging. There's lots of things to consider, but I also think this is pretty new. So we just want to go through what is available out there, looking at chronological age versus biological age. So 
every time the earth circles the sun, you have a birthday, we're one year older, right? That's chronological. But from a biological viewpoint, we all age at a very different speed. That's why sometimes if you think back to high school, when we all looked the same at the same age, and now you look at people from high school and you look really different. People age quite differently. So two people at the age of 35 could look, you know, one could look like they're 22. One could look like eek, like they're 47. I don't know. (laughs) That's the aging process. Um, And so there's some cool tests on the market, like inside tracker, inner age 2.0, glycan age, and also thorns biological age test. Do some pretty cool, easy at home testing to give you your biological age. It's also just kind of like a fun game. It's like, I am this age. I feel this age. What's really happening? What is my internal age? Yeah, I think it 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 should be fun. And we both did the inside tracker one and I'm 34 and it said that I am biologically 24. So I was really happy to see that. That's um, amazing. I only yeah. lost like maybe a year or two. Hey, as long as you're going that that direction, that's a good sign. Um, but it's no surprise. I still get carded when I try to buy alcohol. So <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm at least 24. Give it no. So this yeah. is how I feel inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those tests are cool because they're looking at so many different biomarkers and just kind of estimating. So we definitely recommend that. We'll link to all that in the show notes. Um, another cool test that's been around for a while actually is looking at your telomeres. So this was for a while like the state-of-the-art test for anti-aging. And so your telomeres, if you're not familiar with that, those are the segments of DNA at the end of your chromosomes. We always like to compare them like the plastic tips of your shoelaces, you know, that are on there so that your shoelaces don't fray. So that's what we're trying to do, right? We don't want our chromosomes. <laughs> I love to that fray analogy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So every time um, that kind of splices off, we are aging and aging and aging. So we want to try and slow that down the best we can. And that's really where this enzyme called telomerase comes in. So telomerase is the enzyme that lengthens the telomeres and it helps to keep them from wearing out too fast. And no, no shocker here, telomerase is strongly impacted by lifestyle factors. So lack of exercise, chronic stress, low plant consumption, a lack of mindfulness. We know all of these impact telomerase. So really good to know. But testing options too, that we really like SpectraCell and life length. So depending on which one you do, you'll be able to see the length of your telomeres, how fast they're dividing, how much telomerase enzyme you have in your body. So that's kind of a fun one as well. Yeah. I think just to be clear, we can't reverse the aging process at least not yet. (laughs) That might be kind of weird. We can't reverse it, but we can slow it down. We can very drastically pump the brakes and then slow any further aging down. So the damage that's already been created and don't freak out, it's normal, but we want to prevent excessive aging. So all of this stuff is just going to slow down that process, not reverse it. Another big bang test I would put in this category is the organic acids test. I, this is not classified as an anti-aging or longevity test, but it's just such a broad spectrum of what's happening with not only your detoxification markers, but your oxidative system, which we'll talk about shortly is super, super important cardiovascular health, your neurotransmitter balance. It really gives such a wide, beautiful, uh, perspective of what's happening in the body. So I wouldn't, that's not going to tell you your biological age, but if you have a lot of markers that are out of balance, I would say that's indicative of advanced aging. And so not as fun as the biological age test, but it's a great wake up. Like where are my opportunities to heal and to optimize here? 
And then genetic testing, we always talk about this because we can have different SNPs, which make us genetically predisposed to certain diseases. You know this, if there's a, if the environment is correct, if we get all of the markers in the environment right, then your SNP could come to fruition. So your genetics, of course, do not dictate that happening, but we all are in very stressful, toxic lifestyles. So it's getting increasingly harder and harder to avoid these genetic predispositions. And Renee, you have one that uh, you love to talk about. Yeah, the FOXO3 gene. So this gene specifically is linked to longevity and slowing the aging process. And I will never forget the day I learned about this gene. I was actually with mom and dad at an anti-aging medical conference. And one of the doctors was talking about this gene. And the three of us immediately looked at each other and we said, Aunt Kay. (laughs) So our great aunt Lauren and I, our great aunt Kay, who's now 95, 96. And she's still driving and she's doing amazing. So I just thought that was funny. The three of us immediately thought of her and we're like, she must have that. And actually Lauren and I, we do have this gene. So that is just an extra benefit. I'm not going to. Yay. Yeah. Happy to have that. (laughs) What, what did the facts say? Said we're going to live a long time. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So what causes aging? You're like, please tell us. (laughs) I found this really cool dissertation from this Dr. Bill Anton. He's a senior lecturer in anti-aging medicine at Swinburne University. He broke down aging into three areas of concern. These are the biggest areas. So DNA and cellular function, which includes glycation, inflammation, oxidation, and methylation. If you've never heard of those, don't worry, we're getting to them soon. Number two is system integration homeostasis. So that would involve our endocrine system, immune, digestive, and central nervous system. And the third area is overall total body homeostasis. And that's when we're bringing in the brain, our mind, body, our stress, and then the interrelationships between all of those. You've all heard about the mind-body connection. That could not be more true for anti-aging And we will get into how that affects our lives and how we can affect those things on a daily basis. Great. All right. Let's try and break those down a little bit more before we get into the biohacks to slow down the aging process. Okay. To start off, so DNA damage. So that gets a little bit back to the telomeres. Um, Over time, our DNA are going to become damaged and that's what's going to age us. So as every cell in the body codes for every potential piece of DNA, it's the epigenetic detailing that controls exactly what each individual cell is going to specialize in, which is really, really fascinating. But our bodies have actually evolved uh, with special checkpoint mechanisms that inspect for DNA damage and they try to facilitate the repair of it. But yeah, cleanup crew. But over time, the repair becomes less perfect and that can lead to mutations. So, you know, really looking at epigenetic factors here is super important. But these gradually accrue over time because we have nutrient depletion, environmental toxins, right? Air, water, everything like that, and even toxic beliefs. And Lauren's going to talk a lot about mindset today. So, even toxic beliefs have been found to damage our DNA. Um, so everything we can do to protect that. Yeah. All of the inputs are information. We're constantly giving our bodies feedback on how it's instructions on how to live. So toxic, toxic beliefs are telling your body how to live the food you eat. If it's bad food is telling your body how to live Your healthy food is doing the same thing. It's all instructions. We are surrounded by instructions and we get to choose the instructions to hopefully prevent that excessive damage, that excessive mutation. 
Yeah. Great, great analogy. It's like an instruction booklet. Mm -hmm. I love that. All right. So here's a really big rule that you have to understand before we get into all of these markers. Goldilocks. We remember Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold. We want like somewhere in the middle. That is the case for your body being in homeostasis. We want a balance somewhere in the middle. So the top of this list is chronic inflammation that ages us. And that is caused by suboptimal exercise choices, nutrition, the environmental toxins, everything Renee just mentioned above. But we want some degree of inflammation. Our bodies evolved to have an inflammatory process and pathway for a reason because it it repairs the body. The analogy here is having like an, an army that's your immune system. And when it's activated, it's very well equipped to send out proper communication. So it can go in and clean up the inflammation, send all the communication needed to, to heal. But if it's not properly activated, we can actually do more damage. So just a real life example, if you take an NSAID and you block the inflammatory process, you're you're completely shutting off that communication and the body relies on that communication to do its natural healing. Our bodies are meant to heal, but we're stupid. And we like cut off all of these communication pathways. And so then you have a blunted inflammation process, which actually can create more inflammation in the body because then your body doesn't know how to do it. We can measure this. And I think if you guys listened to how many episodes was it ago when we talked about the boo-boo Inflammation is not just a boo-boo. It's not just when you get injured, but we have chronic inflammation from our diets. We have it throughout our entire body. A great way to measure this is looking at your CRP or at some of your interleukins, your cytokines. Potentially is the biggest driver of aging is inflammation. Would you agree, Renee? Yeah, yeah. And some new research just came out stating exactly that, that they think that that might be the best way to measure how fast you're aging is how much inflammation you have in the body. Yeah. Pretty wild. So again, Goldilocks rule, we want a little bit of inflammation. We don't shut off that process, but we want to make sure that it's not chronically elevated, (laughs) elevated, not chronically elevated. I think I just told you this story the other day, Renee, when I was in Mamma Mia with my friends, AJ and Deanna, we had this little jingle about inflammation because we were always telling people about how you needed the inflammation. I can't remember what motivated it. Maybe we were trying to get people to stop taking so much aspirin or something or whatever. Um, And so we made up this little jingle. It was like, inflammation team. And it was supposed to be like a positive thing. Like your little inflammation team was coming in to help you. Right. Oh, you Broadway nerds. No, just kidding. That's cute. Well, I have a song for everything, but you do. You do. Inflammation can be a positive thing. That's what I'm trying to get to. Uh, that's what I'm trying to hone in on. So done Got with it. the jingles, you can proceed. <laughs> All right. The Goldilocks of inflammation. Perfect. Okay. Next up, let's talk about glycation. So we're talking about sugar here. So this glycation process happens when sugars in the bloodstream attach to proteins in the body. And this leads to harmful molecules called advanced glycation end products. And what does that look like? A-G-E-S, ages. It ages us. It's as simple as that. It's the best acronym of all time. It is the best, yeah. So this happens a lot when we combine 
like high, high sugar foods with high protein, high fat. Um, but overall, again, this can lead to inflammation. It also damages the cell membranes and we need healthy cells to have a healthy body. And that ultimately leads to chronic diseases, especially Alzheimer's and cardiovascular disease. We see a really strong link there. So these glycans, they're sugar molecules that surround and modify proteins in the body, but they're really, again, affected by lifestyle choices. Some of the biggest contributors here are through diet. So grilled meats. So if you're overcooking your meats on the grill to the point where they're blackened, that's a really big sign of these ages. Also fried foods. So anytime you're deep frying something, um, also foods like ice cream that tend to be high in fat and sugar, all the fun (sighs) stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But let's talk about a quick hack. Grilled meats. If you still want to grill, well, one, try not to cook it to the point that it's so black, you can't even tell what it is. But if you can grill with a little bit of like a vinegar or a lime juice or a lemon juice, something acidic that will help counteract that, but also cooking with rosemary. Rosemary is a really good biohack there. So as long as you like rosemary. For uh, it's barbecue time. Everyone's going to be outside this summer. Just know, I think when you look at a piece of meat and you see blackened, I see that on so many menus and I'm not really sure why that's enticing, especially at a restaurant. I can understand if you're at a barbecue and you're doing it right there because it's social. Yeah. Don't order it at a restaurant. So if you see that blackened part of your meat, that's, that's an age product. So I would avoid that as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. Happy 4th of July. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. But this is not just grilling meats. We also just want to in general talk about sugar in the body. So really controlling blood sugar. We say it all the time and we can quantify this through a couple of things, checking your fasting glucose on your blood work. Also looking at your A1C. These are really good numbers to see what is going on in the body over time. And then of course you can use just a glucose monitor at home or even a continuous glucose monitor, CGM. We're big fans of that, especially from levels or NutriSense. But if you can control blood sugar, that will help with glycation in the body. Yeah, big one. So after glycation, our next factor is methylation. The process of methylation is transferring a methyl group to one molecule or from one molecule to another. So this is really just a crucial biological process. It's happening all the time without you knowing it. And it's involved in removing toxins. It's helpful in growing and repairing cells. It supports metabolic functioning. It is absolutely crucial. And a lot of us don't do it well. So these methyl groups are added to DNA and it can change the activity of, of our DNA. So it's really, we see this with genetic testing. Um, sometimes we can have faulty methylation. So Renee and I have a few of those factors. And when you know that, then you can be empowered to add certain supplementation. Like a lot of B vitamins are great cofactors for methylated vitamins. Thing like folate, you may, may not be able to get the amount of folate that you need in your body without the methylation. So if you don't have these methyl groups, you're not gonna get the methylated form of folate. Um, it helps with a lot of metabolic processes like estrogen metabolism. The list is super long, but this is a great one to find out on your genetic test if you have any any SNPs related to poor methylation. Errors in methylation are linked to a lot of diseases like diabetes and cancer. Causes all the same. These root causes are really the same across the board. Stress, poor nutrition, nutrient deficiencies, 
genetics, of course. Um, and again, the Goldilocks rule applies here. You don't want to undermethylate or overmethylate. We have a lot of hypermethylation, which is not a good thing. And we can quantify this with a methylation panel. That's probably the most specific, but you can see this on things like the Dutch test with the hormone metabolism. Is there what else, Renee? Yeah. Dutch oat, uh, strategy strategy is really good. Cause it'll tell you how, how far over or under methylating you are. Yeah. Great. And some like, uh, big stars in this category are of course, MTHFR, which you've heard us talk about and the CMT gene, the comp gene, those are big ones, but there's lots of methylation factors we can be looking at. Next up. Do you want to talk about mitochondrial function? Yes. The mitochondria, the powerhouses of the cells. We cannot overlook these little guys. So while there's a lot of theories on why we age and we've gone over a lot of them so far, one other theory is the free radical theory. And this is looking at or considering that the oxidation of cells by these reactive oxygen species, also called ROS, you might see it as that, um, that they play a leading role in the weakening of vital functions in aging organisms. So they're saying that over time, the function of the cell declines and that speeds up the aging process. And interesting enough is that scientists have actually speculated that the health of mitochondrial DNA might be why women tend to live longer than men because mitochondria, hey, (laughs) uh, mitochondria exhibit less damage in women than men. So that's a really interesting thought. Interesting. But yeah, so the mitochondria, remember, those are essential for energy production and Unfortunately, because of the energy metabolism, they do accumulate accumulate these ROS-induced damages over time. Um, so I think anything we can do to support the mitochondria could potentially slow down the aging process. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in our biohack section for the episode today. <laughs> You're hiding it from us. Hurry. <laughs> <laughs> you have to stay tuned. <laughs> Yes. All right. Mitochondria. Okay. Another fun thing to think about when we are aging, this really goes back to the Goldilocks rule again. So looking at two different pathways in the body, we have AMPK and mTOR. AMPK, you want to think of more as catabolic. So breaking down, cleaning out the body. mTOR is more anabolic. That's building. We're growing. We're developing. So that's the side I always picture like the bodybuilder, right? anabolic steroids. That's where that kind of came from. (laughs) Or the Marvel Avengers. I told you, I think we should create a cartoon about mTOR. Yes. But I'm worried AMPK will be like this little weakling. Like I don't want it to be pictured that way. We need both. We need both. No, 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 no. They're both valuable. Yes. We'll give them the right costume. It'll be okay. 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 <laughs> All right. So AMPK. So this is linked to a couple of different things. So it's, it influences the circadian clock regulation. It also reduces oxidative stress. It reduces inflammation in the body. Um, things like autophagy where the cells are cleaning themselves out. This is really, really important. All of that's happening with AMPK. AMPK is also why caloric restriction is potentially helpful for slowing the aging process. We're going to get into that because it's a little bit tricky, but if we can trigger AMPK without starving ourselves, wouldn't that be great? Yay. That's where a couple nutrients. I'll throw these at you real quick. Resveratrol, pterostilbene, EGCG, quercetin, and curcumin. And so there are products, especially something like Chris Shade's Quicksilver Scientific product that can trigger this AMPK without starving yourselves. 
Cool. So that side, right, we have fasting, detoxing, cleansing, cleaning out house. The other side, mTOR, we still need this because we want to be able to grow bone and muscle and develop our bodies and our brains, right? So it's that balance. So anytime we activate mTOR, we're blocking the AMPK, autophagy side, and vice versa. So we want that balance. Yeah, it's such a seesaw. Yeah, that's seesaw. And dietary-wise, I think this is good to point out too. So mTOR, more protein in our diet, AMPK, less protein, more vegetables. So that's a little bit of where that carnivore versus vegan battle comes in. I think we need a balance there as well. Definitely. Like yeah. stop fighting for one or the other. Other. Yeah. There's value to both. Yeah. You can do a cleanse for a couple of days, but then go have a piece of meat. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's AMPK and mTOR in a nutshell. Perfect. I'm actually going to jump down. I want to talk about caloric intake because this is going to tie in really well with what you just presented. Most Americans have excessive caloric intake. I'm sure it's around the world, but we're going to focus on right here in this country. We all eat too much because we have access to food 24 seven. That is not how our ancestors lived. They did not have food all the time. They didn't have cabinets full of packaged food that in the middle of the night they could get out of bed and munch on. So fasting is really a very, very natural process. We're supposed to eat when the sun is up. We're not supposed to eat when the sun is down. And I know it's summertime and the days are longer and it's, there's light until nine, nine 30, but that doesn't mean you should be eating in, until nine 30. We really want to close these windows because eating is energy intensive. It requires energy to eat. So just like a workout, you want to take a break, a recovery period from eating so that your body can recover, repair, so that you can go into deep sleep and get all of the wonderful benefits of deep sleep. And so this is why we want to talk about caloric restriction, because there's been a lot of studies, mostly on mice, but they're very valid studies that show that caloric restriction increases both sensitivity to insulin. That's the hormone that responds to glucose and your longevity. So they're actually seeing like a much longer lifespan in these studies where caloric restriction was enacted. Um, And the mechanism that's happening here is that we are lessening the degree of oxidative damage or bringing it back into balance. And we didn't talk about oxidation yet, but it's coming. (laughs) And also just a decline in function of your DNA. So this rest repair period heals the oxidative damage and also heals the DNA. And it's interesting, Renee said, we don't want to starve ourselves. There's always this balance of trying to eat less. So we're not taxing the body, adding stress to the body, but we also want to get the most nutrition out of our food as possible. So it's restricting the calories by maybe intermittent fasting, or just doing the circadian fasting where you're not eating when the sun goes down, but making sure that all of the food that we eat is proper instructions and the highest quality nutrition. So that when we are eating, there's like the best bang for your buck. You're getting all of the availability of nutrients and substrates to feed your mitochondria because that's our cellular powerhouse. It's going to dictate our energy or metabolism. So I think there's a lot of value behind restricting calories and I'm not saying starving yourself, but restricting and eating more like our ancestors, not opening your mouth. If you hear Benazadi's podcast next week, he talks a lot about snacking and how we're all opening our mouths way too many times in the day, which is adding stress to the body. So being mindful of snacking, how many times you're eating and then what window of time you're eating over in the course of the day. 
And the biohacks for that are like a feast famine cycling, the fasting mimicking diet, intermittent fasting, which you've all heard of. There's a million different ways to do it. And we'll leave that up to you because it's super personal. The takeaway here is that most of us open our mouths too many times and we eat too much just because I think there is a surplus of calories in the world around us. Anything to add to that? Yeah. It's just kind of endless food. And I think a lot of people, especially in the U S become victim to that. So getting back to our ancestors and definitely stay tuned for Benazadi's episode next week. He gets into a lot of that. Okay. So we're going to go back to one more really, really important factor for DNA damage. That's oxidation. You've heard of oxidative stress. And if you've heard of antioxidants, then you already know a little bit about this. Oxidation is an imbalance between free radicals and antioxidants in the body. Free radicals are molecules that contain oxygen and they have an an uneven number of electrons so that they can react with other molecules. So the analogy here is a free radical walks into a bar. I love this. If a free (laughs) radical walks into a bar, they're looking for a mate or a match. And if they met up with an antioxidant, that would be a great match. But if there are not enough antioxidants in these free radicals, it's like lonely singles club, they get a little angry and they start wreaking havoc. So they start attaching to other things and they cause damage throughout the body. So the expression of this damage becomes things like cancer, obesity, and there's so many, there's so many causes. Again, the root causes, high sugar diet pollution. Medications is a big one here. Exposure to toxins, pesticides, pollution, radiation. So EMF exposure. If you have your cell phone on your body all day long, every day, if you're sleeping with it, stop right now, please stop. Turn your phone on airplane mode whenever you can. If you have Bluetooth in your headphones, please get rid of them. There are so many other wonderful options. I know we are surrounded by EMFs and the most you can do is just to take control of your personal electronics and make sure that you have as much space between you and your electronics at all times. No, we can't get away from technology. We need our phones and our computers to do work and to communicate. Just try to create some distance there. Put it on airplane mode. EMF exposure is causing massive oxidative stress in the body, which is a huge driver of cancer. We mentioned some of the tests for this earlier, but specifically with oxidation, we can look at estrogen metabolism on the touch test. And there are three pathways. We talked about this with Dr. Carrie Jones. We have the 2OH, the 4OH, and the 16OH. The 4-OH in particular is indicative of DNA damage. So if you're pushing your estrogen too much down that pathway, we move more towards growth, more proliferative factors, such as in the case of cancers. And we really want that Goldilocks balance with these pathways because too much or too little can be harmful. Another great marker on the Dutch is the 8-OH-DG. It's a very clear marker of oxidative stress. And if this is high, that means your ROS, your Lonely Hearts Club free radicals have gotten out and are out of balance, which creates a pro-mutagenic response. We do not want that. We want to mitigate that stress. And a really fun biohack for that is the NanoV. This delivers easy water. It comes out like water vapor. You sit, you breathe it in. It goes right into your cells to boost cellular performance, and it can mitigate that damage. So really balancing out that oxidative stress pathway. There's some research that it supports fat burning. I used to see a lot of hacked members coming and going. They would sit in front of the Nano V to help accelerate their fitness programs and get some fat burning. 
probably because of an imbalance in the oxidative stress pathway and not getting enough oxygen into their tissues. That's a fun biohack. Yeah. And I like that it's easy to do while you're doing something else. Like you can also do your red light therapy. You could be reading a book. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can stack it very easily. Yeah. I love sitting on my computer and breathing in the easy water. It's just such a great stack. Super cool. So that's our hack for that. One more thing with the Dutch in general, we're looking at hormonal relationships. Obviously hormones decline as we age and there's not too much we can do about that, but we can balance the relationship between hormones to make sure we're getting this proper aging response. And we always want this delicate balance again between your estrogen, testosterone, DHEA. Those are just some examples. And the Dutch is really awesome for that. So, okay. We have one last factor on this list and to me, this is one of the most important ones. Maybe, I don't know, maybe with EMFs. <laughs> uh, a lack of optimism or a lack of social connection. There's some really cool studies that have been coming out over the last few years studying optimism. And I guess the definition of optimism in this case is a psychological attribute characterized as the general expectation that good things will happen, having an optimistic state of mind. Here's just one study for you, but there are so many like this. They did this at the Boston University School of Medicine. They found that individuals with greater optimism are more likely to live longer and to achieve exceptional longevity. That is living to age 85 or older. So they looked at these participants with the highest versus lowest optimism levels and women had a 1.5, men had a 1.7 greater odds of surviving to age 85. And these relationships were actually adjusted after including health behavior. So we know that there's a connection here and we're going to get into some biohacks about it, um, some biohacks for it, but a lot of it comes back to mindset and making sure that we are programming ourselves for optimism, for positivity. A lot of that includes just being connected to family and friends, having a tribe, having a social connection, having gratitude that all goes in the same basket. Um, I think we're going to start to see even more studies over the next few years of how this could be even potentially more powerful than exercise. We know the brain controls everything else in the body. So why would we not start at the top with this? Yeah. Well, I feel like, gosh, this is like such a great segue into talking about the blue zones. We can't talk about aging without mentioning the blue zones. You know, we love them so much. Um, So the blue zones are the regions of the world that have a high number of centenarians. So those that live to be over a hundred and it's pretty cool. They found a list of about 10 things that all of these regions have in common. And some of them are exactly what Lauren just said. (laughs) family relationships and social engagement, like being connected to others, um, a strong life purpose. I think that has to tie in too with optimism and mindset and even spiritual discipline. That's a big factor. I think all of those really can be tied in together and, and maybe even low stress, right? If you're more optimistic, maybe less stress. Mm-hmm. So all of those tie in. And then a couple other things that we see in these regions uh, are lack of smoking, I think that's an obvious one. (laughs) High (laughs) intake of wild plants. So getting enough plants in our diet, not all plants, but a good amount of plants. Also legumes, they incorporated these, but they are soaked, sprouted, fermented. They're eaten the way our ancestors would eat them. 
and constant moderate physical activity. And this is not hitting the CrossFit gym six days a week. We're talking about gardening, walking, biking, passagiatas, our favorite. Yeah. All of those things. Um, caloric moderation and fasting, which Lauren talked a lot about. So we see that in practice in these regions. Also low to moderate alcohol intake. So not zero, but they're not binging every Saturday night. They're having one, maybe two glasses on a, maybe every night, you know, so low to moderate intake. The Goldilocks rule. So I think just so many great things we can learn from the blue zones that we can all be incorporating. They're just part of life. They're not these like crazy tech gadget biohacks, right? They're just part of life. And it's not a checklist. I don't think they know any other way to live. Right, right. They're not saying, okay, today I'm going to have my life purpose and I'm going to do my my gardening. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, they just do it. Yeah. So I love the blue zones. Awesome. Hey, biohackers. I want to interrupt this episode to tell you about one of our favorite companies for mitigating the dangers of EMFs and radiation. Defender Shield is leading the way in this industry. We know it's not practical to never pick up your cell phone or use your computer. Our modern lifestyles really depend on this technology, but we can make the best efforts to reduce our exposure because we are surrounded by these in everyday life everywhere we go. The Defender Shield product line incorporates a range of sophisticated, non-toxic, human-safe alloys and materials that conduct, absorb, and dissipate up to 99.9% of EMF radiation frequencies from 0 to 90 gigahertz, including the entire fifth generation spectrum. No other mobile device shielding in the world blocks frequencies up to 90 gigahertz. Modern science knows of no other way of shielding this broad spectrum range of radiation from devices such as laptops, tablets, and cell phones without utilizing a multi-layer solution to block these frequencies. Our favorite products are the laptop shield, I have it under my computer right now, the cell phone cases, and I have an amazing fanny pack. So anytime I'm out and about, my cell phone is in my fanny pack and not against my body or against my organs producing this oxidative stress. They also have clothing, blankets, travel gear, blue light blockers. They have so many fun things on their website and they have offered us a 10% discount. You can use code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 10% off of these life-saving products. We hope you enjoy them. All right, well, let's get into some biohacks. So to kick it off, we're going to say it again, manage blood sugar. Uh, we talked a lot about this earlier in the episode, but just a reminder, whatever you need to do to personalize and manage your blood sugar, that's where the glucose testing, the continuous glucose monitor can come in handy. And uh, our good friend, Ben Azadi, he actually just said to us the other day, if you want to age quickly, eat every two to three hours. And that quote just like really stuck with us. So stop snacking, right? Eat two, maybe three meals a day, cut out the snacks in between. That's going to do a lot of amazing things for overall health, but especially to help control blood sugar, which I think is shocking to some people, but, um, some supplements might come in hand here. So things like bitter melon, cinnamon, apple cider, vinegar, berberine, uh, check out our weight loss episode we recently did on supplements where we talk a lot about that as well. Um, but do whatever you need to do. Manage blood sugar and you will age much more gracefully, right? <laughs> yes. And we talk about levels. The CGM company, they do have a wait list. Uh, they are going public soon. And so they will have a much greater 
availability to their CGMs, but I think it's still such a great idea for anyone to try just for a month. And you can use our link to skip the wait list. It is still a little bit of a wait, but I promise you will get it much faster than you would if you just joined without. I think I read, I get their investor updates. It's like 100,000 people on their wait list. So, I mean, it's great. So many people are interested in it. That's, I think mm -hmm. that's a really good sign, but yeah. So use the link it's levels.link slash biohacker babes. We'll put that in the show notes as well for you guys. Perfect. All right. This is a broad category. Hormesis, our favorite word. <laughs> so hormetic stress also called hormesis is the most amazing way to build resiliency in the body. And that goes for almost every process, every organ in the body. Hormesis is a way of building adaptation, forcing adaptation in the body. So a small dose of stress creates this rebound effect that sort of like wakes up the body and forces you to adapt. And this also kind of proves the Goldilocks rule that a little bit of stress is good. We don't want too much stress because that turns into chronic stress in the body. Cannot adapt quickly enough. We are not evolved enough to handle the very high load of stressors that a lot of us deal with but a little bit of stress in the form of things like cold thermogenesis. So a cold shower, a cold plunge, um, and then the opposite, getting into the sauna to get your heat shock proteins, getting that really hot, warm, uncomfortable <laughs> stress response. Hypothermia, this is interesting when you get that with a cold plunge. So not like blue lips, you're gonna die, but getting to that point where you're a little bit uncomfortable, the discomfort is where we find growth. And you've heard that with a lot of mindset people, you need to be uncomfortable to grow in this world. And that is especially true with your metabolic function. Meditation, meditation equals resiliency. If you are irritated at something or have a monkey mind, you can't focus. If you feel unhappy, if you're just having a sad day, meditation can really ground you to yourself and it, it builds a resilient state so that everything around you is going to like affect your bubble less. You essentially create a bubble around yourself so you are grounded to your core self, your core beliefs, and it makes you unshakable. I think a lot of people avoid meditation because they think it's hard and it's boring and what am I really getting out of this? You never know what you're preventing until you do it. And I think meditation builds this unspeakable calm inside of the body that helps you to deal with stress in your life. Yeah. I will say our, our episode with Ariel from Muse, she talked a lot about this with the like anti-fragility and building resiliency. So if you're still new to meditation, definitely check that episode out. I think that's really helpful. Yes. I loved her so much. Two more things on this list. Fasting obviously creates a hormetic response. This is super personal. You have to make sure that your adrenals are in good, stable condition. Your other hormones are ready for this. So it's a little harder for women, but fasting can produce that rebound effect where you just upregulate these metabolic factors. And then lastly, exercise. We know that's a hormetic stressor. Exercise is a stress and Goldilocks, again, you have to find the right balance for you. We don't want to add strain, add stress to the body. And I have a few more things to say about that in our last chapter of today's episode, but make sure you're creating a balance between working out and working in, and that will give you the proper adaptation and build a more resilient state. How cool is that? Great. Yeah. That's such a good point. Nutrients. Renee has a very long list <laughs> of magical nutrients. <laughs> 
This is my short list. (laughs) I was really trying to narrow down. I think this is such an exciting, yeah, this is my short list. I will run through them quickly. Um, Just know there are even more. This list is very, very long. And I think it's really exciting. There's so much research on all of these fabulous things. I really picked the ones for today, the ones that have the most research, I think the biggest bang for your buck. So I will run through these and then check out the show notes if you need help finding some of these. All right, to kick us off, royal jelly. This is a really cool one because it's what the bees feed to the queen bees. Only the queen bees get it. And I think that's a sign that maybe we should be eating it too. And a lot of practitioners will actually use this for patients that are dealing with infertility. So really good for reproduction, but it's very, very nutrient dense. So I think that's a really cool one. EGCG, this is found in green tea. So go ahead and get your cup of green tea brewing. This increases autophagy. So I talked about autophagy as far as it relates to mTOR and AMPK. So autophagy is like cleaning out the cells, right? We want to be doing that on a regular basis. It's also a really strong antioxidant and it is neuroprotective because it actually can reduce inflammation in the brain. So love that one. Uh, Spermidine, this is a little bit newer on the market. The name is interesting. (laughs) Spermidine, (laughs) you can guess where it's in very high concentrations, but it may preserve telomere length. So it it can't lengthen the telomeres, but it can slow down the shortening of the telomeres and that can increase lifespan. Um, There are actually a lot of food sources. It's even in beer for any beer drinkers. We probably don't have a lot of beer drinkers out there, but (laughs) there are some food sources. So definitely look that up online and you can actually get it in supplement form too, just to make it a little bit easier. Yeah, spermidine, all the biohackers are talking about this is like all over the health industry right now. This is the very, very popular supplement. Dave Asprey says it actually helps you age backwards, which that's um, false. False. (laughs) (laughs) Nice try. Again, like slows down those breaks. It it hits the breaks and slows down the aging process because actually it really is a hormetic stressor. It turns on the brain. It increases fat burning when you're fasting. It helps the autophagy. So it kind of just like reactivates and helps you adapt to all these processes that we are trying to upregulate while they are normally trying to decline with the aging process. Great. Uh, Next up, resveratrol. This became famous with the red wine movement. Everyone was trying to get it through wine. Now you have to drink a lot of wine to get it. So we do recommend it in supplement form. Red wine movement. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did I just create that? Maybe. What a movement. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I, I would have clients that would be like, oh, I'm drinking my red wine every night. I'm like, but it's still alcohol, but okay. Yeah. Good for um, you. and then <laughs> dry farm wines. That's a good way to get your resveratrol. And then potentially even better is resveratrol's cousin, pterostilbian. This is also a very potent antioxidant and potentially anti-cancer molecule. We also see that it can protect the skin from UV radiation, which brings me to my next one, astaxanthin. That's another one that can protect our skin. So of course you want to be using clean, toxic-free sunscreen when you go outside after you get your 20 minutes of vitamin D, pure sunshine, but you could be taking pterostilbene and astaxanthin as like an internal sunscreen. So it's going to protect your skin from the inside out. Astaxanthin is what gives the seafood that pink color. So when you're looking for a good piece of salmon, look for the really pink one. You'll get some natural sources of that. Of course, you can supplement with that as well. Uh, Curcumin, also known as turmeric, 
curcumin is just a small piece of that very potent antioxidant and free radical scavenger. And it also reduces chronic inflammation. So remember when we talked about why we age, a lot of that was from free radicals and inflammation. So curcumin is a really popular one. And this is really, really big in India. Obviously they use a lot of curry and they see that there's lower rates of dementia and Alzheimer's potentially from this effect. So get that in supplement form to get a really high dose. NAD, I think this is up there with spermidine as far as like the big, exciting anti-aging molecule at the moment. So NAD stands for nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. The most basic function is to receive and donate electrons during metabolic processes within your mitochondria. So it's really crucial for normal cellular metabolism. And unfortunately, we see levels rapidly decline with age. Actually, potentially by the time we're 80 years old, we have very, very little NAD even left in the body. So if we can supplement with it, we might be able to stave off some of the aging process. Um, research is finding that it does enhance lifespan. It improves mitochondrial function, stem cell function, and a couple options of how you can get it. Number one, you can exercise to increase NAD naturally in the body. But I think as we age, we're going to need something a little bit stronger. That's where things like the IV come in, patches, oral supplements, even suppositories. Lauren and I really like the Quicksilver Scientific NAD liposomal. That's easy. You don't have to like go sit and do an eight hour IV. You can just pump it right, on, right under your tongue and get a really good dose of NAD there. Next up, this you can get in a lot of food, apigenin. It's in parsley, celery, onions, oregano, thyme, chamomile tea. So again, getting back to the basics, just eating a whole food diet, you're going to get a lot of this. But this actually promotes mitochondrial function by inhibiting the breakdown of NAD. So we're going to tag that one on to NAD. Um, also really good anti-cancer properties for that. Other mitochondrial support, CoQ10 and PQQ. Those are kind of our go-to for the mitochondria. We can all be using that. Carnosine, this is also really good for the brain, but in research, we're seeing that in mice, they live longer and they live much more youthful lives. So we can definitely benefit from some carnosine. And then just to rattle a few other ones off, leucopenes, these are in tomatoes, genistein and soy, butyrate and beans, folate and green veggies, quercetin and apples, sulforaphane and cruciferous veggies, urolithin A, we might have to talk about this one more in another episode, but it's originally found in pomegranates, but you do need to supplement to get enough. Melatonin, C60, carbon 60, that's a fun one. And astragalus. So astragalus is really known for its telomere protective benefits. And you'll see that in the product TA65, which has a hefty price tag on it. I think there's some other ways you can get astragalus in. And to wrap it up, I have to at least mention metformin. It's known as the anti-aging drug, but again, it is a drug. And I think there's other ways we can get the same benefits by, you know, everything else we've mentioned in the episode, but some people are using metformin and really one of the biggest actions of this drug is that it can lower glucose, which is why it's used for diabetics, obviously, but there are side effects just like every other drug. So I think if we can manage blood sugar in other ways, I think we can get a lot of the same benefit. I think there's a lot of attention on it because the mechanism is really great, but yes, better, better ways to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these out of this list, Renee, because it's a long list and most of them are acting on the oxidative stress pathway. Do you have a favorite? Could you possibly narrow it down to one, two, three of your favorites? I think if you are going to choose a supplement, my number one would be NAD. Yeah. 
Because if you think about it, a lot of the anti-inflammatory properties, the antioxidants, you can get a lot of that in your diet. Obviously you have to be very specific and very clean with your diet. The supplementation of those just comes in handy because you can get a much higher dose faster. But NAD, that's that's a tough one. And then we definitely see that that's linked to a, a longer health span and lifespan. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with NAD. Cool. You have a second and third choice. Oh, I get more. I'm pretty attracted to the royal jelly. I want to be a queen bee. Yes. Have you ever, have you tried royal jelly? I have, but it's been a while. I think I'm going to have to order some when we get off this episode. Yeah. It doesn't taste great, but just put it on a spoon and get it down the best you can. Yeah, like a good yeah. handful of things that are helpful. Well, you love your bees, so I'm not surprised I you picked that love one. love my bees. Save the bees. Yeah, and then great. just to wrap up, I guess other things you can be adding in as biohacks. I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but just know that there are options as far as peptides, exosomes, PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma, and stem cells. So there's a lot of really good information there. That could be a whole episode in itself. If you want to dive deeper, one book I would recommend is The Stem Cell Solution by Dr. Harry Adelson. He's my go-to expert on everything related to stem cells, Um, but there's a lot of great information online if you want to dive deeper into that. Cool. I've had great results with peptides. When I had an ankle injury last year, I started using peptides, BP-157 and shoot, what's the other one that I did? Can you remember? You didn't do the thymus and alpha. I did the thymus and alpha. That was really helpful at supporting my inflammatory process. So again, like NZs, which shuts off the inflammation, this just supports that process. And I was able to recover so much more quickly. And I think that's a good transition into our last category, which is intelligent exercise. Your exercise has to be intelligently and wisely chosen because do you know the answer? Exercise is a stress. Exercise is catabolic. It breaks us down and can add strain to the body. That's why we need the balance and working out with working in too much exercise just equals too much stress. Please let that sink in. And there's a lot of studies actually coming out about how intense exercise and too much intense exercise can actually be damaging to the mitochondria. I think they're mostly seeing this with athletes, like really intense athletes, endurance athletes, or uh, competitive athletes. This particular study that I am going to mention, they recruited 11 healthy young people and put them through a four week, increasingly intense regimen of sessions on a stationary bike. They monitored their glucose tolerance and their mitochondrial function. And during the toughest week of that study, the subjects showed insulin resistance and some other deleterious metabolic changes. But I think after that week, I'm trying to remember the full study, they gave them a recovery week and then all of those markers came back down. So there's some motivation, like you could push it temporarily, but make sure you're getting the recovery. The takeaway is you don't want to be hitting it so hard all the time, week after week. It's great to throw in a rotation where you're just doing a full recovery week or just totally changing your choices. But if you love hit, please don't do it every single day of the week. Yeah. I think the endurance athletes, especially like they don't look healthy when you see people that run like multiple marathons, triathlons. Yeah. I think that just tells you like. I mean, certainly if you want to run a marathon because you're raising money for your favorite charity or because it's fun for you, I think that's great, but I wouldn't do it thinking it's going to help you live longer. 
Yeah, Ben Greenfield talks about that. If you want like a personal win, if this is just a goal of yours because you want to cross it off and have an amazing milestone, I think that's an amazing feat, an amazing accomplishment, but this is not building health. It's not building longevity. So do it. Mm -hmm. I will clap for you. I love it. I could never run a marathon, but I'm like so impressed with people that can do that because you're depleting so many nutrients. You are wasting muscle tissue. And a lot of us do not replete those nutrients, especially our amino acids and electrolytes. So it's really, really important to know that if you're pushing yourself that hard, you have to replete, you have to recover. This is why we love mobility. Mobility is anti-aging, acknowledging the body as one connected tissue, right? The fascia is like the web that holds your whole body together. That's why isolation exercises are not wise. We want to do compounded, complex, multi-directional, multi-joint exercises that treat the body as a whole. And with that comes mobility because we're lubricating the joints, we're rehydrating the tissues. It's going to get you out of pain. It's going to prevent injury. It's going to make you more efficient with your workouts. So if you're mobilized, then you can show up to a workout and you can actually work harder and more safely. So if you're not doing mobility, please find a day of the week where you can add some in. Um, I do lots of mobility on mix. So sorry, shameless plug. Try mix fitness. (laughs) Yes. And also in this category, I have to bring up posture. Poor posture does not just put us into pain, but poor posture affects all of these metabolic factors. I'm seeing a NUCA chiropractor right now because I had a neck pain that was kind of traveling down my arm and nothing was helping. I saw a bunch of traditional chiropractors. I was doing acupuncture, massage, foam rolling, all the things. And I found out that my upper cervical was out of place. So a NUCA that's, uh, they treat the upper cervical spine. So that's the top part of your spine. If that is out of place, you are then creating a chain of events all the way down the chain, like all the way down your body, um, your shoulder girdle, your rib cage, your hips, your knees, your ankles all respond. They compensate due to that. It could be a subluxation. It could be a rotation. Something could be out of place. So that's going to cause pain and stress and strain on the body, but also when the cervical is out of place, you could compress the brain stem. And it's the brain stem that sends communication from the brain to the rest of the body. That's also how we deliver oxygen and nutrients to the body. So if that is out of place, you could be compressing that and you're, you're not getting enough oxygen. So the brain's not sending oxygen to your lungs and your mitochondria are not getting enough oxygen. We know we can't survive without oxygen. So really, really important to work on proper posture. If you need to be assessed, diagnosed, get some corrective exercises, some mobilizations to bring your spine into good posture, or maybe just right now while you're listening to this, if you're sitting at your computer, roll your shoulders back, pull your chin in. You could think of like a double chin. Just that will make a difference. If you're sitting too long, get up, stretch your quads, stretch your hip flexors, maybe squeeze your glutes a little bit to fire up your posterior chain. When we have poor posture, rounded shoulders, forward head, if your glutes are turned off, that puts your body into a fight or flight activation. That's sympathetic, that is stress. So if we're talking about our stress bucket, just slouching puts a lot of stress onto the body. Did I scare you enough? (laughs) Yeah, I'm over here rolling my shoulders a million times. (laughs) You're standing a little bit taller now. (laughs) All right, exercise. We're gonna wrap this up. We're going to bring it back to our gratitude and mindset practice. 
and the importance of community and tribe. We never want your biohacking to take you away from your friends or family or put you into isolation. Your biohacking should make your life easier, more simple so that you can enjoy your life with your family and your friends, hopefully be more in nature. And we know that a more grateful mindset helps you be more optimistic. We're just gonna bring it back to that study. If the more optimistic you are, the longer you will live. So your gratitude practice can look like anything. Uh, mine mostly is like when I sit down to eat a meal, I don't, I don't pray, but I thank my food and try to feel the energy from the clean food that I've spent a lot of money on because that is instructions for my body. And sometimes you're just giving gratitude for the nourishment that you're about to give your body, the instructions. Or maybe it's turning to your partner and just saying one thing you're grateful for. I like doing this before bed because it kind of sinks into your cells while you're sleeping. If you go to bed grateful, you're definitely going to wake up grateful. Yeah, I love that hack before bed. I think you're tapping into the subconscious and you'll just sleep better, have better dreams. And you're right, you'll wake up feeling happier and more grateful. So I think dreams for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So right before bed and then also right when you wake up, that's a great way to start your day. Yeah. Okay. So this really comes back to what is your motivation? Aesthetics are a wonderful benefit of exercise, but mobility is going to give you longevity. One other thing. um, I love this. Dr. Peter Atia talks about the centenarian Olympics and being able to be mobile and energy efficient and mobile, like as you get older. So if you're killing yourself and you're really super strong and really fit in your forties, but by 80, you're in a wheelchair. What was the point of all of that? So you could put this in the back Mm. of your brain. Do you want to be in the centenarian Olympics? I do. Me too. Count me in. You paused. I was like, do you want to be in it too? Oh no. I was just (laughs) thinking because I hadn't heard that before. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So what you do today, the strain you put on your body is definitely going to add up and it's going to affect how you feel, how you live out your, your older years. So trying to reduce that 20% unhealthy that is our current statistic in, in the world. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I think just to close this out, you know, unfortunately, yes, our modern lifestyle is really what's aging us, right? We've talked about all of those factors, but I think the key is to number one, get back to the basics as much as possible, eat real food, find your purpose, connect with nature, connect with others around you, manage your stress, avoid the EMF radiation, right? Getting back to the basics, all these things. But I think the other side of it is looking at this new technology and the new dietary supplements that are coming out on the market, right? This is the other side of biohacking. And I think it can be a good thing. We're taking advantage of what the research is showing us. And if it helps us slow down the aging process so that we can be here longer with our loved ones, riding out our purpose, helping others, I think that we can combine those. Yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And if you seem to be overwhelmed, I, I know there's a lot of things. It's like, where do we even begin? Renee and I are here. If you ever want to create a personalized plan for you or just find out which direction you should turn, where you should start, we can absolutely do that for you. We understand it's a lot, but sometimes it's just chipping away. Just, just looking at one stressor in your life and getting that gratitude in immediately. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Renee, I'm so grateful for you and all the information that you shared today. And I'm so grateful to our audience. We made it to 100 and we want to celebrate that. We're just so, so grateful and happy to be here. Yes, I'm grateful for you too. My amazing sister and fellow biohacker babe and business partner. I learn from you every single day, even when we're not recording. And I definitely, I could not have done a hundred episodes on my own. So thank you. And like you said, thank you to everyone listening. We are so happy to have you on this journey with us and can't wait for the next 100. (laughs) Yes. So let us know what you want to hear as we go into our next 100 episodes. If there's something in this episode you want us to expand upon, because I know we kind of touched on like methylation, oxidation, all that stuff pretty quickly. We can definitely do deeper dives. So let us know what you want to hear. Absolutely. All right. Well, cheers to 100 and we'll see you next week for episode 101. Thanks everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the biohacker babes podcast, head over to Apple podcast to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.